Hi, everybody. This is Jacob Johnson, host of Rise to Liberty podcast. I just wanted to take a moment to let you know what was going on with this episode, uh, this interview I did with Reed Coverdale of the Naturalist Capitalist podcast. When we had live streamed it, there was some audio feedback. Turns out it was the streaming software that I was using. I thought the audio that was being recorded was going to be clear. It was not. Unfortunately, I've done everything I possibly could to try and clean up the audio, and it either just makes it worse or entirely unlistenable. But wanted to give you a heads up that the audio that I am posting does have some crackles and pops, and there are some pretty nasty-sounding areas of the interview. However, that is only a small portion of the interview, and once you make it through it, the rest of the audio is just fine. If you can't make it through the episode, I completely understand. However, I wanted to give a heads up. Um, Like I said, it is just a few moments. Otherwise, it is a great conversation, and I still wanted to release it even with the bad audio. I also wanted to take a second to thank all my listeners, subscribers, followers. All of you guys and gals make it worth it. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be able to do this. So thank you so much, and I apologize for the audio quality. Um, Please try and make it through anyways. It is still a great conversation. Make sure to check out Reed and the Naturalist Capitalist podcast. Got some great things ahead. And until next time, stay free, my friends. Welcome back to Rise to Liberty podcast. If everyone could do me a favor and hit that like button, that uh, does more for the channel than pretty much anything else. And uh, otherwise, welcome back, Reed Coverdale. How you doing tonight, Reed? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on the show again. Yeah, dude. I honestly, I was like really kind of trying to plan to either get you at the first of the year or towards the end of the year with just like everything going on. Uh, I was watching uh, Four Horsemen the other night and you were just commenting about how like how much has happened throughout the year. I mean, like right now, uh, Balenciaga, uh, we, we got the second second day of the uh, the Twitter file dump, uh, which shows like, you know, federal collusion with Twitter. And I mean, we all know that. And. Uh, oh, do you hear that on your end? hear what nope we're good then never mind it went away some like weird feedback anyways and then yay kanye like what the hell was up with that um speaking of which did you ever find out who they is i don't know who is they Uh, that's the question (laughs) they them they them yeah That's my favorite meme that's come out of this is when someone says, I identify as they, them, and then it just shows Kanye's face. But who's they, though? (laughs) (laughs) It's just, 
Oh, man. How, how do you feel about the whole Kanye, Alex Jones, or him just doing his thing? So, um, I felt like initially maybe it was a little bit productive because he wasn't saying, I mean, he, he was tweeting, so he was saying some provocative things, but it could still be like, okay, well, he's raising valid points about some stuff and look at how quickly he's getting canceled for saying some of this stuff. But then, you know, when he went on Alex Jones and he, I mean, it's not twisting it to say that he praised Hitler, whether he was just doing it for shock <laughs> value or he was sincere, like he did do that. I mean, I watched the whole show oh, yeah. and he did it two or three times. Like it wasn't just offhanded comments that they clipped out of context. It was Alex Jones, like trying to get him to say, no, you don't really like Hitler though. And he's like, no, no, no I actually do like Hitler. Like, you know, he... <laughs> so I feel like any positive, um, you know, any positive reaction that we could have hoped for is basically gone now. Um, I think that just basically flushed any, I mean, yay, Alex Jones, the Zionist cabal thing, right? Like he just, yeah. he just ruined it. Like there's, there's a real thing there that exists, but if you start praising Hitler and acting like the Nazis were actually okay, then it's all, it's all done. Um, and you know, for, first of all, cause Hitler did suck and the Nazis were really bad, but also it just completely discredits anyone who would ever listen to you. So I feel like it's just a dead end now. Like, I think I, I'm not sure he's going to continue to be a sensation. I feel like, you know, Donald Trump kind of broke the paradigms with the McCain stuff, like saying that John McCain wasn't a war hero and that he likes people who weren't captured. I remember thinking that was going to take Trump down. Obviously it didn't, but I think the praising Hitler thing is still <laughs> off the table enough to take somebody down. So I, I think this might, this could be the end of it. I don't know. I guess we'll see, or at least the end of anyone caring about it, but I don't know. Could be wrong. I don't know. I, my first question is why does anyone care what Kanye West has to say? Like, I mean, I don't dislike the guy. He has good music. Um, he's not, you know, the the next generation's, you know, like Rolling Stones, like he thinks he is. Um, uh -huh. But I'm just like, eh, you know, it, it didn't really surprise me or even really shock me all that much. I was just like, why, why does anyone even care? But I did find it a little weird that, it kind of seems, and I'm pretty sure he's not doing this intentionally because it seems like he's being earnest. Like what, whatever the hell he's doing, he's, he's being him. And I did just find it weird that like, there's now this connection uh, to criticizing like Zionism or, you know, legitimate criticisms of uh, Israel or Judaism as a religion. But now it's tied to, him bringing the Bible. So now it's like this whole like Christianity, Judaism, like far right Christian fundamentalist nonsense. Yeah, it is an interesting dynamic how it's all unfolding. Um, I mean, I would love to see the Christian right break from Zionism, but I feel like this is not the way to convince people to do it. You know, I don't think, 
I don't think most people are white separatists, you know, like even right wingers. I think most of them think it's silly and stupid. Um, and obviously I'm not talking about Kanye here. I'm talking more about uh, Nick Fuentes and stuff he's said. And like, you know, a lot of Nick's followers, like some of them end up over on my channel commenting and people like that end up in my telegram chat, which you're also in. People are like com literally complaining about um, marrying someone of a different race. Like that's something that's popped up in my telegram chat, like three or four times people complaining about race mixing over the last, you know, hundred years or whatever. And the number of people who actually care about that, I think it's just so low. Like it's lower than the amount of people who care about libertarianism, you know, like at least <laughs> libertarian party is the third largest party in the country. Like the amount of people who actually care about, um, I mean, the amount of like non woke people who care about race, I think is really low. I think most people just like, don't care about it at all. Um, but, um, I so I, I don't, I don't think that like the Nick Fuentes wing of Republican politics is going to be successful. I don't think so. Well, it, I think they could have had a chance if they would have kept Milo, but I think Milo also had his own alternative, uh, his own uh, his own agenda that he was definitely using. Well, I mean, that that's what Milo does from everything I understand. Obviously, I don't know the guy personally, but, you know, he uh, he likes uh, black male and black guys, <laughs> you know. So it's like that that's everything I pretty much know about him is he, he will he's like a Trojan horse that he will literally do anything and everything to get whatever he wants, regardless of the of the ends or the means. But. You know he does have that. Uh, he he does have the experience politically. So I I think if it wasn't that, they probably could have made something decently successful. But I mean Nick, he just seems out of his element, and Kanye seems like he just uh, he's like ideologically like uh, just vulnerable. You know, like he got a taste of the red pill. And then he decided to eat the whole red pill bottle in one weekend, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was interesting. Did you see that clip of Alex Jones denouncing both of them to Steven Crowder? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was interesting. Um, I don't like, I mean, Nick Fuentes, I haven't, I hadn't watched anything about him until this year. Like I knew I'd always heard his name and it was so funny. Like last year, when people were calling me, you know, like a Nick Fuentes fan. I mean, Nick Fuentes blocked me on Twitter when he had a Twitter account because I, <laughs> I forget what I said to him, something about Trump probably, but he, he blocked me. And um, I didn't even know anything about him other than that. He pissed off all these Lulberts all the time. That was the only thing I knew about him and that they all said he was a Nazi. And then I went to an event where he was in Vegas this year. And I took a picture with him and Patriot J because it was a funny troll because Patriot J is a black guy who's friends with Nick, by the way. Um, <clears throat> and then I watched this documentary at this event about him. And I was like, okay, this guy seems kind of overrated. Like, I don't really understand why people hate him so much or why people like just love him so much. Um, and then I saw him on Alex Stein's show, uh, 
the uh, conspiracy castle and kind of the same thing. I was like, what is the big deal with this guy? Why does, why is he so volatile? And I've seen clips of him saying stuff about the Jews and saying stuff about uh, race. And I don't know if it's serious or if he's trolling. And so I, I don't really know what he thinks. I don't know if he is legit a white separatist or was a white separatist or white nationalist or, I mean, he's pretty nice to black people for being a white supremacist, you know, like <laughs> when I was, when I met him, um, it almost seems like a big troll, like a big joke on everybody. Um, well, I mean, he's, he's like what, 24, 25. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying all kinds of terrible things at 24 and 25 just to get a rise out of people. Yeah, I mean, so I, I don't, I, I don't understand the need to condemn people. This really pisses me off in general, like not just with this type of stuff, but with the other type of stuff. So like, um, you remember when Thaddeus Russell said that super cringe shit about child, um, basically child sexual relations or whatever. I don't know if you yeah. were paying attention. Like, I don't know Thaddeus Russell never have had him on the show never talked to him i have zero compulsion to like go out of my way to condemn him but you had so many people like coming out of the woodwork who had probably never talked to him and never said anything about him in their lives and they were like, i condemn thaddeus russell and this is like why like why bother what you know condemning somebody doesn't it, it's not it, it's not like it gives a space to protect children from pedophilia or something. That's not what condemning someone does. All condemning somebody does is make you feel better about yourself because you're just virtue signaling to a bunch of people about something that someone said that makes you uncomfortable. Even if it's something terrible, like even if, uh, you know, even if, uh, like if Nick Fuentes had, um, you know, blatantly said like the Holocaust is a good thing and it should have been like, a why do I care if Nick Fuentes said that? Like, I mean, it's one thing if, um, if somebody like, you know, I, I don't agree with a lot of views of people who have been on my show, um, but I don't feel the need to, like, if I have Abby Martin on, I don't feel the need to be like, oh, by the way, I totally disagree with you on economics and I think you're nuts. Like, why would I do that? I mean, it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. And then even if she says something I disagree while we're talking, like I don't necessarily feel the need to go out of my way and say, no, you're wrong. I disagree with you on this. If someone accuses me of like saying, I agree with somebody on something, then I'll just be like, no, I don't agree with that person on that thing. But going out of your way to correct somebody when it's not related to the subject or it's not, the direction you want to go in a conversation. Because I've had that happen too. Like Kim Iverson, who's kind of an interesting person, but has been more on the right on some of the issues lately, but was definitely like a left winger before. Uh, I had her on my show twice. And the first time I had her on, she like wouldn't let me get through the conversation without arguing with her about Medicare for all. So I was like, okay, I guess we're arguing about Medicare for all. So I like had the debate but I didn't want to talk about that. I had more interesting things that I wanted to, you know, hear from her on. So I uh, tried to 
steer the conversation in another direction. I just had Jackson Hinkle on a couple weeks ago talking about MAGA communism. And a <laughs> yeah. lot of people in my comments were pissed that I didn't like tell him how evil communism was. And it's like, okay, I mean, I could have just turned this into a capitalism versus communism debate. But it's very uninteresting. This guy has a lot of insights to DeSantis that I feel similarly about. So I want to hear why he thinks Trump is going to be a savior of humanity and, you know, why he hates DeSantis so much and then exploring like him taking over the communist party or whatever. It was kind of hilarious. I don't know if you saw that uh, show, but it was kind of, it's kind of funny. I was kind of laughing at the end of this. Like, this is hilarious. You know, you're taking over the communist party, whatever. Um, But people just love to get outraged and love to come foaming at the mouth to you and say, you you didn't do what I wish you had done. And that makes me mad. And I want you to know, and it's like, well, okay, you're just going to have to get over it. But there's nothing (laughs) more petty to me than condemning someone who has nothing to do with you. And you're not part of the conversation at all. Just coming out of the woodwork and being like, Oh, by the way, guys, I condemn this thing. Like, wow, you go buddy. You know, it's, it's just, it's just ridiculous. No, I totally agree. I mean, I I can't stand communism. I I will gladly talk shit on communism all day every day. But if I bring a communist on, uh, what whatever vein of communism they want to pretend that they are, then I I'm not going to like sit and berate them about their belief. Like th- there's a reason I brought them on. I'm going to talk to them and if if all we did was just shout at each other about what we don't like, then like obviously conversations are never going to go anywhere and we're never going to get anything done. Sometimes there's that conversation, right? Like if you want to explicitly uh, have someone argue with them, like that, that can happen sometimes. So like Jason Burmes, I had him on. But before I had him on, I told him, hey, I do kind of want to argue with you about Flight 93. Like, I I think a plane hit the ground in Shanksville and it was hijacked. And I think I have some evidence to, you know, prove that it did. Um, And he agreed to come on and talk about it. So I I wasn't like blindsiding him. I wasn't like, hey, Jason, huge fan. Will you please come on my show? And then just like trash him. someone who feels that way and they're also um they're less likely to um you know they're less likely to change their mind if someone is just cruel and mean and obviously stuck in their own ways if someone is more willing to have a conversation i feel like that's more conducive changing yeah yeah no i completely agree it's i don't know it's not the right uh right climate to be shutting down debate i mean just because uh you you don't agree or whatever doesn't mean you have to walk away butt buddies or whatever (laughs) like you can 
foundational 100% of the time. And I mean, if it is, then it, that confrontation kind of loses it loses the point of when things are supposed to be confrontational. So like, yeah. I get it. I, you know, I'm, I'm human. I like drama to a certain extent, as long as I'm not involved, <laughs> you know, but it, it's, it, it does get old. If, if, you know, if you're taking a thousand bites of the same thing, you know, you tend to want to eat something else. So it's, I don't know. I, the, the, political conversation sphere is uh is has been pretty weird that, that does actually lead me to uh to ask you though what what do you feel like you have uh like some of your biggest w's this year and some of your biggest l's like, what have you learned what have you like lost at like where, where are you at this time of year versus at the beginning of the year um, let's see. So a lot has changed. I've moved from Utah back to New Hampshire. Um, I also quit my trucking job. I'm, I'm still technically trucking, but it's a little bit less driving and more, uh, I'm running a vacuum truck, which is just for people who don't know that what that is. Um, if you have pipes buried in the ground or some underground service that you don't want to hit with an excavator or an auger or something, what a vacuum truck does is it has this big, huge vacuum on the truck and you have a power washer and an air wand that just kind of um, loosens up the dirt and turns it into a slurry. And then it just gets sucked right up into the vacuum truck. So I actually dug like a 20, 30 foot trench today with that thing. Um, and it just sucks all the dirt right out from around the underground utilities. from head to toe in mud today so you know <laughs> i didn't really have that when i was driving truck um but anyway biggest l's uh let's see biggest l's um hmm. um i mean i had a pretty i don't know man i mean it's been a pretty good year like i haven't really been that i can't think of a moment where i was like wow that was really really bad um, I mean, how many Twitter accounts have you lost this year? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I I can think of some W's like uh, the Megan McCain tweet that was uh, controversial, but it was certainly a W. Like that was a moment where, um, yeah, I I really felt good about it. I mean, at first I was a little iffy on it, but then afterward I came out thinking like, yeah, no, that really was an exposing moment. Uh, really showed where everyone stood on everything and who really hates these people and who doesn't actually really hate these people that much. Um, you know, like Caitlin Johnstone, renowned leftist, came out and wrote a Substack article about it. Uh, Cassandra McDonald from um, Tim Cash, she was hugely supportive of it. So there were people on the right and the left. Um, and then there were some people who, like, try to consider themselves shit posters or, like, edge boards, and they were clutching over it so that was uh is it, it was an aligning moment it showed where a lot of people stand on a lot of this stuff um that that was 
the most defining moment of this year for me for sure like when that tweet blew up and in gained international news um and we've had several tweets that have done that since then but that one like that was it was it was a yeah. weird moment because uh so much reaction of this could be huge and i think most people have forgotten about it by now like i think people kind of blew it out of proportion but for a little bit there it was a big fucking deal um so l's and w's aside i'd say that was like the most, i mean it wasn't a complete w either there were some drawbacks to it some things about it that were just good learning experiences that taught me things that i didn't before so i don't know it was just it was definitely a learning moment and a, an important moment and uh and the one that sticks out most throughout the year i'd say honestly i i think that was like re- regardless of where whether uh somebody loves it hates it personally i loved it loved it for so many reasons for first of all it's true you know that that's my major like driving factor is like what is true mm-hmm. in 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 a world where like we're just like surrounded just by like propaganda and just flat out lies <clears throat> you know it's finding the truth and whatever that means is so important to me and that really like drew a line in the sand for me because it like it exposed people within the party outside the party and it, it was just ridiculous all over the place you know and i think it's exactly what the party needed um, but the liberty movement in general as well um, people need to understand that we will not be uh, let's see here sorry still getting that feedback sure what's going on there anyways if if that keeps up we'll see if we can both dip out into the green room real quick and come back or whatever but but yeah it's uh it was just so interesting i like so many people i thought would have been like oh that's tasteless but i agree we're just they weren't having it period and it was just so shocking to me but I know I now know who uh, I think actually like takes the shit seriously, you know, and that that's just honestly one thing I was thankful for, because um, in in such a uh, I, I hate that the Libertarian Party gets called gets called the uh, the the big tent party. Um, I think it should be a much smaller tent, but it's. It's interesting, the wide range of people. It's it's not like a lot of people, but the range of just personalities and outlooks and everything is pretty interesting and uh, kind of nice to know who you can side with when uh, shit gets tough. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people 
want the Libertarian Party to be the forward party, basically. So, not really stand for anything. Just not be the Democrats <laughs> or Republicans and just be a third option you can select. And that sounds to me exactly what the forward party should be. But the Libertarian Party should stand for something if it's going to exist. And, um, I don't know. I don't think we should be, like, anti-war Republicans or pro-gun Democrats. Like, I think we should be libertarians and you know libertarians are pretty radical and they realize who has destroyed the world uh the mccains you know of this world like the, the neocons the the uh you know the the military brats who just advocate for endless war who are never going to send their kids themselves or you know like those are the people who um they're, they're just the scum of the earth so um, I think we should be sending strong signals about the type of people we want. Um, and I would take, you know, I'd take a hundred people who are staunchly anti-war and really hate the neocons and the government over a thousand people who just want a third option on the ballot, you know? You know, I, I don't think we're that radical though. I, I think we are personally the sane like normal person <laughs> option it's it's the war machine that's fucking radical that's fucking insane like what whatever the justification for whatever conflict what whatever uh bombing raid they decide to go on like whatever the justification that they have that is absolutely insane to be like I've got to kill people to be able to uh, re reach these ends, you know, uh, to make make my uh, my shareholders happy or to appear strong in front of a bunch of idiots. Like, I mean, that's radical to me. And the anti-war position that's that's normal to me. That's how everyone should be. So. Yeah, that's the paradigm through which we should be viewing this, but unfortunately it's not. And um, I think it's going to take some shock to get people out of this rut, you know? Like, I mean, we can talk all day about the facts, about how many people are killed, you know, how many bombs are dropped. And to most people passing by, it just looks like, you know, a spreadsheet or just a statistic. So they're like, why should I care? But if you can e evoke some sort of emotional reaction over something you say, then their emotions are triggered and they're emotionally involved in the conversation. And then, you know, you could show them a video of an airstrike on a civilian house with a kid dragging himself around with both of his legs blown off and his guts coming out behind him as he drags himself around the living room floor. And then they're already in an emotionally uh, charged state from, you know, tweeting a picture of someone crying at their father's funeral. And then you could flip it around on them and say, oh, well, yeah, look at this. You know, <laughs> like, this is what these people advocated for. Um, and I, I understand that's not the only way to do this. But to me, the, the endless spreadsheet of number of bombs and number of dollars and number of deaths 
hasn't really done anything and it's also available to the public if they want to see it so i think using different forms of messaging especially if it gains attention which it undeniably did i think it's uh i think it's something we should at the very least consider you know like i mean there we're, we're losing this battle so badly there are so few of us and we have so little in our arsenal we should be throwing all of it at the wall and seeing what sticks and going yeah you know whatever works best no i i completely agree that we now now is not like i was saying now is not the time to pussyfoot around messaging or you know radical uh political strategies like and been having this uh this thought uh, so obviously a political party like the, the whole point is to get people elected and as much as i agree with that like on like a definition level i don't inherently believe that the libertarian party as a political party is a hundred percent bound to that um I think because things are so dire, um, we we can pretty much do whatever it takes. Whether that's you know running campaigns, influencing politicians, whatever, you know, just whatever it takes to stop the incoming hell that is going to be brought down upon everyone. And you know, so, some people would definitely disagree with that but we we've been trying this uh this election cycle thing for you know federal politics which i thought from the very get-go all libertarians thought federal politics were completely fucked so it's like that that's where i was starting you know it's like there there's no federal political solution because the swamp is so deep and so corrupt yeah so the thing to me is you can run as a republican without sacrificing any of your values and you can win right like especially on a local level especially in the right state like in new hampshire there are like a hundred people who were basically libertarians who won as either democrats or republicans or independents um, not a single big L libertarian uh, got elected. And there might have not even been any independents now that I think of it. Might have been all mostly Republicans and a few Democrats. Um, so, given that that is the case, there's not really an argument to run as a libertarian if you're running to not step on people's toes and you just want to win. Like, why? <laughs> if you If you don't want to step on people's toes and you want to cater to them, and you want to be a more sensible, like, respectability candidate, you should absolutely run as a Republican. Um, and more power to you. Like, I, the thing is, like, um, so Bruce Fenton in New Hampshire here, he ran a respectability politics campaign as a libertarian, but he was running in the Republican Party. Um, and he didn't say provocative things like Jeremy Kaufman, he didn't make joke ads. Like, it was all very serious, very professional. Um, and he didn't win. But, you know, I voted for Bruce Fenton. I'd rather have someone like that 
But if you're going to run as a libertarian, you just know you're not going to win. You know, like it, it's more about sending a message, more about being a middle finger to those two parties who just screwed you over. So why, I mean, imagine, like, look at Chase Oliver. I mean, congrats to him for throwing it into a runoff election, but what message is he really sending to the other two parties? Like, it's been really hard to track, like, what his message is to them, um, at least from what I've seen on Twitter. Like, he should be extorting the hell out of both of those candidates. Like, look, if you want me to formally endorse you, and tell people who voted for me to vote for you, like, let's talk, and, you know, kind of like Shane Hazel did after he had the same scenario. And maybe Chase has done that, but he blocked me on Twitter, so I can't see him uh, personally anymore. But when I saw him, it was mostly just arguing with other libertarians that they're too racist or sexist or homophobic or whatever. So, like... It's um, the same thing. At least Jeremy who got about the same percent of the vote as uh, Chase, at least he sent a message that, hey, look, Republicans, if you want to vote for us, if you want us to vote for you, you can't keep putting up these awful warmongers like Don Baldock. You just can't. We're not going to even think about voting for you. Um, and, you know, the, the ads that he put out and everything, those will live on in libertarian lore for a long time. Um, so that, to me, is more valuable than you know, getting 3% of the vote instead of 2%, like, that's kind of meaningless. The only thing that would have helped is if he got 4%, because then we'd have major party status and whatever. But um, as far as, like, um, percentage, if you get 11% or 8% or 4%, that doesn't matter as much. Like, Donald Rainwater got, like, 30% of the vote in Indiana in 2020. Does anyone remember him? Or like anything he said like did he have any super meaningful campaign rhetoric that like lasts to this day that people talk about like i think jeremy kaufman probably will for a while like people will remember the war is gay ad for a long time so when you're running these types of campaigns like that type of stuff matters more than oh you got 3.2 percent of the vote oh well we got 3.6 and we got more signatures faster and you know, that stuff is kind of immaterial to me. So um, if the goal is to not piss people off too much and then get elected and make systemic change from the inside out, I'd say run as a Republican and don't bother doing it for Congress or the Senate at, at a federal level. Like, that's just a waste of time. Unless you're only doing it to get in there and then just, you know, have a pedestal from which you can talk about how much the government sucks. But <laughs> if you think you're going to get in there and, like, actually turn that ship around, I mean... You might slow it down a tiny bit, but, I mean, everybody is sold out. There's only a couple people who aren't. Um, so, I don't know. That's kind of my feelings on that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, from everything I understand, it's it's like, you know, high school cliques up on Capitol Hill, right? So, yeah. I mean, if, say, if we even got five libertarians in at a federal level, something that could be, you know, vote swaying, they're going to have a target on their back. They're not going to be involved in anything. They're like, nobody's going to work with them. It's, it is going to be rather useless politically speaking. Um, not to say that it's worthless, but like in the grand scheme of things, I don't view that as important like that. 
oh, cool, like we invaded a, uh, a, a system that, you know, wants a lot of us dead or enslaved. Like, cool. Yeah, we, 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 uh, we went in and we got into that club and now we can't even do anything. So we just wasted all that time, effort, and energy. Whereas in we could have just done anything else, had a barbecue, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. It, it's, uh, I personally believe that, you know, all state parties, uh, county parties, the, the national party, if we are running these, these campaigns, we need to be so tact, tactful with, who we who we run when exactly what race because other, otherwise it's it's just a waste of time uh i mean the fact that trump was able to get in and like i mean he's he's an establishment man that the only difference with trump is that you know kind of like what dave chappelle said is he he like came out and told everyone said hey we're all fucking you and we're going to continue to fuck you like that that was trump's big thing his big draw was he was just honest about it and then well you know kind of <laughs> but even he himself who you know maybe does eight out of the 10 things they asked him wasn't able to get anything done so somebody who really wants to come in and like roll back power there's no way there's just no way um, I mean, everyone has a much stronger ability to make change, obviously, at the state level. Um, I mean, I'm, I myself ran a state house of representatives here um, for a campaign. I did pretty, pretty little, you know, I didn't have like a whole army of people or anything. Uh definitely first time going through it learned a hell of a lot uh but even even myself i i still got like seven seven point three percent of the vote you know so it was something uh my my vice chair brian he he got like 29 percent in his race and uh you know we we've only been like an official established party for just a little over a year or so yeah you know there's just i think there's just better ways to focus the energy not that like we're doing things wrong it's just like everything's i don't everything's just uh misaligned like we're not aiming at the correct targets yeah um i mean you know utah might be different than new hampshire like in new hampshire is it is a waste of time to run for state rep as a libertarian there's a guy who actually won running as a republican and then once he got in he switched to libertarian and he ran again and he got 10 percent of the vote and lost and then after that <laughs> he switched back to republican and ran again and then he won again <laughs> so like but in utah i mean i mean what did um what's his name uh Who's the guy that ran against Mike Lee this last time? Oh, uh, Evan McMullen. Yeah. So he ran for president in 2016, and didn't he get, like, 
some crazy percent of the vote in Utah. I got like 20% of the vote or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, it was a significant percentage. Yeah. So Utah, things might be different. And then if you guys could elect a libertarian in Utah at the federal level, I mean, that would really be huge. And then maybe that would cause a cascading effect where the game changes. Um, but most places in the country, it's just like, I mean, Marshall Burt in Wyoming, he lost. He spent, I don't know how many thousand dollars on re-election because uh, he won sort of in a fluke last time. And he lost, didn't even get re-elected. <laughs> so in lots of cases, it's just a waste of time. But I mean, hell, if you're if you're somewhere where like there's an awful Republican and he's uncontested, like there's no Democrat running against him, and you can run against him as a libertarian or something. Like, why not? You never know. Like, I, I, I feel like you're right that we just dump so much money into impossible races, and we try to, you know, spread it all out and be like, oh, well, we don't want to forget about this guy. We don't want to forget about this guy. This guy's running two people. It's like, well, that guy can't win, and it's a joke. So why should any of our money? That guy doesn't even have his shirt tucked in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy. See, like here in Utah specifically, it's it's interesting because like if we if we took the you know approach of running as a Republican, what's what's interesting is because we're such a deep red state that uh, there there's like a whole culture behind it. So not only would we have to get in just on the Republican name, but we would have to get into the whole culture of it. And so that just like adds a whole layer of complexity. And so, you know, I'm not opposed to any Utah libertarian running as a Republican. Um, however, I think they should be honest and, you know, just let them, them as the constituents know, like, hey, I'm a, I'm a libertarian, but I'm running Republican. Um, you know, we, we did definitely do better in this cycle than, uh, any previous cycle in, you know, memory. So, you know, there, there's something there, times are a changing, obviously every state's different. Um, which is actually why I, I look to you guys in New Hampshire a lot because you guys, in my opinion, are extremely innovative. You guys aren't scared of trying something. Uh, especially with like the free state project and everything, which I'm still thoroughly convinced can be replicated other places, but it's not going to look anything like New Hampshire because obviously different cultures, different belief, you know, but the essence of free state can be replicated in other areas. Um, but it's going to take a, you know, group of dedicated people just like you guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, every place is different. You can't run the same style campaign in New Hampshire as you would in, you know, Alabama. Things are very different there. Um, you know, the, the culture is different. Also the politics are different. So like, um, you know, uh, if you're running against a Republican, more heavily or against a Democrat more heavily, it's going to affect like your campaign strategy. So there's all sorts of variables that'll change your approach. And that's good. Like I think 
that's that gives us a unique edge because we can kind of morph our messaging you know like we can always be selling the same product but use different advertising uh techniques you know you don't talk about the same points when you're talking to a democrat as you do to a republican necessarily you know like there, there might be different things about your philosophy that attracts different sides so you don't lie and tell them you support something you don't but you can kind of you can kind of cater to each side without selling yourself out and i don't know i think there i think that really is a unique thing about libertarianism well also we we have nothing to lose right like what what's it gonna hurt if we do something doesn't go well one cycle or uh, something that goes really well one cycle but doesn't work the next like i mean we we have nothing to lose we have no political sway really and so it's like i don't know we we should just be throwing all these things at the wall and just being like okay well let's try this because we've got the ability to do this you know it's it, it's really interesting it kind of seems like uh I think what frustrates me the most is there's very little learning from cycle to cycle. So one of, one of my favorite things watching this past one was uh, Shane Hazel. Once he got up on that debate stage, I was like, this is the best thing I think I've seen all year. That and uh, the, the billboards for Jeremy Kaufman, like with, with that mushroom cloud, <laughs> just, I was like this, this is exactly like, Obviously, that's not going to work everywhere. Uh, that might work downtown L.A., you know? that That's something uh, shocking and uh, very visual. Um, might work here? I, I don't know. But th there's things that we can do like that that people haven't seen before, and we can afford to do those things. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, we're at a stage where we're having basically zero victories and everything is going to shit really quickly. So <laughs> anyone criticizing me for trying something different, um, I mean, eventually if you try something different and it doesn't work, you should give it up. But we're at such early stages that the whole like Libertarian Party trying to out um, outdo the other two by just being more respectful and more professional or whatever, like... First of all, it never ends up happening. You know, you always have the guy uh, stripped down on stage or with the boot on his head or, <laughs> you know, do something. So you're always going to – or age of consent, even if it's someone's – Oh, God. You know, like, I mean, there's always going to be <laughs> something that happens. So, like, that's probably not a good strategy to begin with. But, um, yeah, like, I, I mean, we don't know what's going to work. So, you know, throw everything at the wall, see what sticks. So – We'll we'll start wrapping up here since I know you got to go here soon, <clears throat> but just a couple more questions. Uh, really, in your opinion, uh, so gonna gonna fluff your feathers a little bit. You're you're definitely one of these voices in the liberty movement that I look to because you're just so like middle of the road without being milk toast. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> so it it's interesting because I, I see left, right, 
just all over the place. And it's just what makes sense to me. And so in, in your opinion, where do you think at least uh, broadly the Liberty movement as a whole, not even just the libertarian party, but the Liberty movement, like where should we be heading or where should we at least be looking uh, as far as options moving into the next year? Like, as far as elections go or what do you, what do you uh, honestly just just to just to expand liberty because i i think we're we're, we're getting down to we're getting down to the wire to where it's not going to matter anymore yeah so i um actually brought this up on the four horsemen the other night that um i am going to be focusing my show a lot more on blue collar work and self-sustainability you know, like getting skills that will benefit you down the road, not spending endless money on a degree that you're not going to be able to get a job for. Because in my mind, you know, trying to elect somebody to decapitate the beast is just not going to work. I mean, I was talking to Jason Hin uh, Jackson Hinkle about this. I was like, look, even if Trump is everything you say he is like there's no way he's going to be able to get in there and slow things down even if he's had a change of heart like it doesn't matter I mean he can't even if he wants to um, the incentives are all built in the money printers just on full blast and everyone running the show knows if it all falls apart they're going down with it so they're going to keep it artificially running as long as they can so to me it's all about decentralization and just you know, building up state power, not like, you know, lowercase state, like New Hampshire, you know, not like the state, but just like uh, building up locality power that can push back against centralized federal power um, and, you know, building up communities and families. Um, you know, I'm not a religious person by any stretch, but I do think that you know, taking people's um, culture and their faith and their family and flushing it down the toilet has caused a big, you know, a lot of reliance on the state. Um, I think, you know, making people useless so they have no skills, making them uh, lack confidence, making them scared to try anything, making them feel self-guilt about everything, like, all these things have led to decay in society and a downfall in our work ethic and, um, you know, just uh, caused us to be more reliant on the Leviathan that we all hate. So I'm going to focus more on trying to get people down the right track because I think that matters more than voting, ultimately. Like, voting is just something you do once every couple of years. Like, what, what are you doing those other days of the year? Are you bettering yourself or are you putting yourself in a position where you're going to be more reliant on the government? Because um, used to be in my intro, Larry Sharp said, when you add government, you by default remove community. But that's a two-way street. I think as you add community and you build up people to be self-reliant and take care of themselves and take care of each other, um, that reduces the need for the government. Uh, and people won't feel as broken and, you know, uh, shackled and the need to have this giant welfare state. So I think it's more about making everybody their own state, basically, you know, like make everyone self-sufficient, 
Um, and then this stuff will start going away by default instead of like trying to just convince people to vote for it away because they're not going to vote it away. It's, you know, no, no, no senior would vote against Social Security. No military member would vote against military funding. No, nobody who could benefit from any of this stuff is going to vote against it. So instead, maybe we should start trying to get people self-sufficient so they don't need any of this stuff. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at it now. I mean, I've been talking about foreign policy and, you know, conspiracy theories and stuff all year, and it <laughs> hasn't moved the needle at all. Like, no one cares. I mean, some people watch the show, and but it's like, okay, what can I do? Like, oh, well, you know, so I'd rather be making an actual difference in people's lives, like a tangible difference. So I'm going to be shifting more in that direction in 2023. So I... I think I'm like right with you on the same page <clears throat> and it it's you know kind of comes back to this what what is the the purpose of the libertarian party or the libertarian movement and I've been having this thought for quite a while it's we've already got this community kind of built um, around these ideas and everything um, I don't quite understand why uh, you know, why we're having our meetings or whatever. We can't also at the same time, make sure everyone has like a bug out bag or, you know, a few days worth of food and water to make sure, you know, all of our party members are taken care of. We literally have a community of people that if somebody needs something, it shouldn't be that hard to track down or find it for cheap or to be able to upcycle or share or something. Um, it, it just, uh, seems to me that there is a, a, a disconnect in community, which is kind of what the whole ideology is based on is our, our neighborhoods. And so if we ever plan on doing anything, we've got to be stronger than anything that they can throw at us. Well, a village is only as strong as its weakest link. And right now we're all broken links. I'm going to be honest with you. I have never hated libertarians more than I have since I've joined the libertarian party. <laughs> um, I mean, I used to think that lots of libertarians were kind of quirky or whatever, but I never like had an intrinsic hatred of them until <laughs> I got into the party. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've met some great people. I'm friends with like Dave Smith, Spike Cullen, Scott Horton, Ryan Dawson. He's not in the party, but you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, the movement in general too, like same deal. Like I've met lots of great people. I've also, uh, unfortunately met some of my heroes who turned out to be scumbags and some of them who actually like ended up trying to help people frame me for you know uh, accessory to crimes basically uh, there's been all sorts of like crazy shit that's happened and uh, you know I've been accused of being a neo-nazi anti-semite you know by liber this is all libertarians who caused this like none of this would happen without these libertarians like raising the alarm about bullshit and causing all this chaos and then it sometimes bleeds over into things like the southern like i've been written up by the southern poverty law center and it's because of libertarians <laughs> it's not like the southern poverty law center just started paying attention to me for some reason like it's because the fakertarians would say something about me and then 
you know, yeah. Gabe Hoffman sees it and then the, you know, SPLC writes an article about it or whatever. Like, that's how this stuff works. So, um, there are great people in the movement, but God damn it, we got so many autists, so many losers who have nothing going on. And um, I think, you know, Pete Quinones talks a lot about how we need, we need interesting, successful people if we want to have a successful movement. Like, think of most libertarians that you know. And in Utah, there were a good group of people. But I don't know if you've been to the National Convention before or anything like that. Oh, yeah. Like, when you go there, there's a lot of broken people and a lot of people who have never accomplished anything in their lives, who had to, you know, fundraise to get out to that convention, didn't have a money, didn't have enough money to get back on their own. Um, and the reason some of them are so, you know, so anal about the Libertarian Party and not losing it to a new group of people is because it's the only successful thing they've ever had in their entire lives. Like, the only thing they've been able to do is become chair of the Libertarian Party of Vermont. They can't even (laughs) pay their own fucking rent, but they're chair of a party in Vermont. Like, that is their crowning achievement you know like they've never done anything else but they run social media for the libertarian party of you know whatever state or whatever um those people suck and yeah we have a lot of them <laughs> so like i think the biggest thing is uh you know trying to try i mean i i've taken a lot of issues with jordan peterson lately but you know, clean our own rooms, you know, clean your room and make yourself more impressive before you worry about fixing the world. Like, can you pay rent? Do you have skills that can make you money? Uh, do you take care of yourself, you know, physically, financially? Uh, do you take care of your family? Are you a good husband, father, brother, son? You know, all this stuff is, uh, it's all crucial to building a movement. Like, Build yourself up first, and then the result of that is that you'll be able to build other people up. Well, and we've got to lead by example, right? I mean, the 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 ideas that we're pushing are, you know, world-shattering to some. And so if we're not putting our best foot forward, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And, well, and some people, <laughs> they should they shouldn't be out in the forefront. They should be in the back, stuffing envelopes, making phone calls, you know, not that they're not important, but not everyone's meant to be, you know, leader of the pack. And there's nothing wrong with that, which is something interesting. I, it's, I think it's just American culture. Um, there, there's nothing wrong with mediocrity, you know, like, in, in fact, it's, it's totally okay, <laughs> you know. It doesn't make you less or more than or anything. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally agree. There's like this, in my opinion, I'm, I'm honestly white-pilled in it. <clears throat> I think because I have no other choice but to be. <laughs> you know, if, if I want to still have anything to do with this movement and try to make it work in any possible way, um, obviously I'll never be able to influence Montana um, or, you know, Arkansas or whatever, but I can definitely take care of here. I can build the culture here, work with the state party here and take care of myself as 
best as I can uh, to give my best foot forward. Um, honestly, I think we should all be striving for just a little bit better so we can make the party better and, uh, you know, be the force to be reckoned with, which we all know we are, but we just don't have a lot of the, uh, the traction, a lot of the, uh, the show for it. Yeah, man. It's, it all starts with yourself. I mean, it's a very libertarian idea, you know, like we're not collectivists, we're individualists. And as individuals, we have to get better. And if we do, then our movement will rise above everything else. Yeah, that's well put. And I think on that, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up. One last question. Uh, th this is kind of easy, and I thought it would be kind of funny. So uh, exactly what does it mean to be based, and how does somebody be based in 2023? Yeah, so I think the... The actual definition is basically saying something that you believe is true, whether or not it's popular in the crowd you're saying it. And specifically when it's something controversial that you're saying in an unfriendly crowd. So if you, uh, you know, if you're in a room full of atheists and you're, uh, you know, a staunch Christian, you just say you're all going to hell. It's like wow, based, you know, like you're, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of lost its term. I mean, lost its meaning because people overuse it all the time. Um, but the way to be based in 2023, um, you know, figure out what you actually believe. Don't just what I try to tell people is don't just be a contrarian because if you're just a contrarian, you're still allowing the establishment to dictate what's true. Right. If you're always going to oppose them on everything, no matter what they say, then you're not thinking for yourself anymore. So, um, you know, and they usually mix some truth in with some lies. Um, so, you know, try to figure out what you really believe and stand by it. Um, and don't you know, like just don't care what other people think. I mean, it's really hard. Like I, I think of myself as a rather based individual, but even I have people that I really care what they think of me. Um, and I had some moments this year where I really had to face that and be like, Reed, you got to stop worrying about what these people think. Like you're your own person and you've got to be you. So think about what it is you actually care about and just stand for that. And it's the only way to be based. Hell yeah, man. Do you want to give uh, shout outs to where everyone can find you? What you got going on? Sure. So I'm the only Reed Coverdale and the only naturalist capitalist uh, on the internet. So Google either of those, I'll show up. I'm on YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. Uh, still hoping to get Twitter back. I doubt it, though, because Elon Musk uh, leaked the Twitter files to uh, Matt Taibbi, but then Barry Weiss was the other person. And if Barry Weiss has anything to do with this, there's no way I'm getting back on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, if, she, if she ends up scrolling through the stuff i said like it's all over so i'm not too optimistic about that anymore but love to get that back until then i'm at coverdale reed on twitter uh, i just made another account i've got a few thousand followers haven't gotten banned yet uh, that's my fifth account i think i've made on twitter um so you can follow me there and then um i got a couple shows coming up this week um and then after uh, Christmas, I'm going to be scaling back a little bit. 
right now I'm doing like two or three episodes a week on my show and then also going on other people's shows and also going on the radio every Thursday night and working full time. So it's, it's kind of a lot. Uh, when I was truck driving, it wasn't as bad when I was just over the road hauling heavy loads because I could listen to podcasts all day and then just stop in the truck stop and open my computer and go live. Not a big deal here. I'm like actually physically working all day. And then I have to go park the truck at the shop and then drive about 30 minutes to where I'm living. Uh, so it's just a little bit different deal. Uh, not quite the same thing. So I'm um, going to be scaling back, probably doing one or two shows every weekend. Um, so probably like four to six episodes a month or something. Um, and I'm going to really try to, um, you know, kind of prepare for them. And I'm going to be doing a bunch of shorts. So I'm going to probably just be uploading shorts of hydro vacuum trenches and stuff because it's a, it's a very interesting skill it's kind of cutting edge new deal for the industries um they're going to start doing it more so i'll be uploading videos of that and yeah thanks for having me on man good to see you yeah good seeing you too man i'm so glad to hear you're doing well we definitely miss you out here in utah and uh everyone else thank you so much for tuning in we'll make sure to get read back on uh always one of my favorite guests like i said before one of one of the voices in the liberty movement that i uh i definitely look towards and uh definitely a thought leader for sure you know considering we've had a a, a long run of you know people that should have never been thought leaders gary johnson and uh <laughs> you know it's it, it's honestly great that uh there's uh, th this culture of people who can be messengers and also do it really well. And, you know, e even though the libertarian podcast circle is a little flooded, I don't mind. Like uh, Macho Man Randy Savage says, the cream always rises to the top. <laughs> so without a doubt, everybody uh, that matters will still be around, you know, years from now. So thanks for coming on, Reed. Uh, everyone else still watching, make sure you hit that like, share, subscribe, all of that good, annoying stuff that we always have to say. Uh, RiseToLiberty.com slash links. You can find me everywhere. And until next time, stay free, my friends. <laughs>